All right, welcome to Off the Court, presented by Point Guard U. Today we are joined by Alex Daniel, the head boys basketball coach at Riley High School. Alex, thanks for being on today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're pumped to have you here. We were lucky enough to have you at both of our camps in South Bend the past two years. Uh, super thankful for you making time, and once again, making time for us today. So we'll get right into it. Uh, former player turned coach. Can you kind of share your basketball journey from you know playing at Muncie Central all the way now to coaching at Riley High School. What did that look like for you? Yeah, so back in 2005, I graduated from Muncie Central High School. Had a um, really special high school career in terms of in terms of our team accomplishments and what we were able to do. We went to uh, made it to the state championship game my senior year. Um, ran into Greg Oden and Mike Conley and Lawrence North teams. So came up short there, but. Um, obviously used that experience and um, went on to play collegially. Uh, started off at Saginaw Valley State, a um, little, little immature at the time, and didn't, didn't make it too long there. Um, and then kind of went to uh, uh, Lakeland uh, Community College out in Mattoon, Illinois. Um, and uh, spent a year there trying to, trying to regroup and find my next spot. And then uh, ended my career at uh, Taylor University. So. Um, Spent two years there um, under Coach Paul Patterson, who's a NII legend. And, um, gained a lot of knowledge and experience there. Uh, it was really good for me just in terms of my social experience and um, kind of regrouping me and who I am and what I'm about. And then, um, you know, finished my education there at Ball State. Um, that's kind of when my, my coaching career started at that point. So um, began um, as a, I believe, a freshman coach at Yorktown High School. Um, and uh, spent two years there under a guy named Blake Everhart and also uh, Greg Miller, a former player at Ball State University. So I had a really good experience there and kind of got my feet wet. And I think I was a kid that always knew I was going to coach, whether I said that or not, but it was just kind of in my blood. And then, and, and, you know, I was a heady player. Um, so some of that stuff, I just felt like carried carried over to the coaching, coaching world. So got started there at Yorktown and then um, the, my assistant coach, Chad Tapp, uh, who uh, was at, with me at Taylor University, uh, got the job here at IUSB at the University of South Bend. So he called and um, uh, asked me to be his assistant. So I hauled my wife and my, my three-year-old daughter up here to, to South Bend, Indiana, and began the, the, college, the college coaching world. And we had uh, spent two years there um, with Chad, and he's a Fierce competitor, he's really demanding as a, as a coach and does a great job. We had our first, first 21 season in program history, did some really good things. And um, he ended up um, taking a head coaching job at Lyon in um, Arkansas. And uh, uh, Arkansas didn't sound like uh, the best place for me. So I stayed put and uh, made my way over to, to Bethel, uh, where I kind of reunited with uh, Ryan Lightfoot, who was the assistant at the time, and got to be under Mike there, there at Bethel for four years, Ryan for two, and then Steve Draven uh, for one. So Ryan and I kind of grew up playing against each other in the AAU scene. And, I, um, and then when I was at Taylor, we competed against each other while he played at Bethel. So got in the area and reconnected with them. And that was a great experience for me. And really, um, you know, spent nine years total um, at the coach at the college level. Um, and that's just, um, it's small college basketball, but you know, I, I used to be the two the two programs were totally different in terms of where they were and what you know what they were about. I used to be was building. Um, it was a it was a program that had 
um, not even been affiliated with the NAI, you know, in previous years, um, where, you know, they were just kind of a, a rec league competing against other teams. Um, and then, you know, started developing the NAI and Chad really took that thing to the next level. So that was great in growing that program. And Bethel, when I got there, they were already, you know, seven-time national champions and established and all those kinds of things. So really got to dive in and see that that side of it, how Mike had built that program. And, you know, the, once you get to that level, he did a great job just sustaining winning mentality, uh, that culture and um, all the things they brought to the table. So, um, yeah, got to got to do that. And then, um, you know, I spent one, one year with Steve Draven there, um, who's current head coach at, at Bethel. And then, you know, kind of just decided to take my own path. And so that's where I ended up at uh, uh, Riley High School. So um, going on year four there at Riley. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So now Taylor University, is that the place that does Silent Night? It is. So you got to play yeah. during Silent yeah. Night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, for people who don't know what that is, <laughs> can you walk us through that? Yeah, so uh, Silent Night is a game played at uh, Taylor University before Christmas. And um, I, I honestly, I forget how it all started. I know there was a guy that was kind of in like the media side of things there that had this idea. And so they just blew it out of the water. So the kids, um, they literally file up hours before um, they... Um, come dressed in Halloween, or not in Halloween, Christmas-themed costumes um, and just crazy, outrageous stuff that you'll see. You know, you know. I remember, you know, kids, like, making buildings by by sitting on each other's shoulders the entire game, like three, four stacks high, you know what I mean? Like, just crazy stuff. So, gym is packed um, from floor to ceiling, you know, standing room on they, you know, they open up the baselines, kids are, kids are everywhere. Um, and, uh, at point 10, or I'm sorry, from, from the time the ball tips to the 10th point, everybody is completely silent. I mean, you can, you can literally hear your shoes squeak. Um, very, um, awkward experience at first, but, um, and then when that 10 point hits, the crowd just erupts, you know, and, uh, they're throwing the toilet paper and running on the court. The game stops, and um, we always try to find an opponent um, that we know we can get to the tenth point on. <laughs> so, um, but uh, awesome experience. And then, even, you know, when I was there, it was huge. And then it hit ESPN a few years later, and it kind of just blew up nationally, you know, on a, on a national scale. But it was still, in terms of like the presence there on campus, it was still pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, how do you leverage your uh, experience as a player into your coaching approach now? Yeah, um, I played point guard, um, you know, throughout my career, and um, you know, like I said, I I was always I think seen as a, a pretty heady player that, that knew the game, that knew how to play the game the right way. Um, you know, back in my early years, I could get out there and demonstrate some stuff, <laughs> uh, but I think for me, it's like you know, there's advantages. I don't want, there's, there's tons of coaches out there that probably never played the game at a, at a high level that are doing phenomenal. Um, but I like that feel of, I feel like I know what's going on on that court, how, how players feel, um, what conditioning feels like, what hard work feels like, um, you know, knowing that, um, you're not going to drop dead, right? You're, you're going to be able to fight through things. And that feeling of like, all right, I'm going to get over this hump and I, and I made it and I did it and I accomplished it. Um, 
that that is an experience that you as a coach can kind of give that feel to your players. Hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to be fine, right? We, we know what hard work is. Um, and then another thing, the, the, the thought of winning and losing, you know, like after that game, that, that moment of success and um, having those moments with your teammates in the locker rooms and knowing what that feels like. And then also those moments of, of loss, you know, where um, defeat and the highs and lows and how to kind of stay even keeled, right, and um, uh, get through the tough times but also celebrate those, those great moments as well. So I think that, you know, as a coach, like I have those experiences and so I can relate to what our guys are going through. You know, from the individual player perspective, you know, I, I try to get in our players' heads in terms of like, hey, this is I, I see what you see, right? I've, I've been there. I know, I know what that looks like coming down the court, and you got a you got an advantage or a disadvantage, whatever it may be. Um, how to play that, um, you know? So just that feel of you know what it, what it's like to, to play in those games, and uh, um, like I said, the, the the wins, the losses, and all that. So. And I think there's got to be a level of respect from the players too, knowing that you've been there and done that. Well, I you know I. I'm not a person to go around and tell them what I did, what I did, and didn't do. I'm not from the area, um, but yeah. At the end of the day, when they, you know, hear that, hey, coach, played the state championship game. You know, I tell them like, get me back, like, <laughs> get me back. Like, and one, I remember Peyton Berry texted me and said, coach, I didn't know you played in the state championship. I said, take me back, Peyton. Like, I'd love to get back. You know. Um, so just, yeah, they, they'll hit me up about that kind of stuff. And we, you know, our staff right now at Riley is, has a lot of accolades and, and things that those guys can feed off of. So, you know, when the questions are asked and, yeah, we, we you know, try not to boast too much, but obviously, you know, tell them, hey, this is, this is what it's about. So. so kind of talked a little bit about coaching high school players. How do you approach coaching high school players differently than coaching, you know, a collegiate player? Yeah. Um, and this is one of the type of, I mean, I hope that it's not very different. You know, I hope that um, regardless of who they are or um, what they have accomplished or what level it is, you know, those basic fundamentals of what we're trying to teach, you know, passing, shooting, dribbling, are integrated into all of our practices. Um, obviously, there's different levels, you know, as you, as you, as you go to a different level in, in your in your basketball career, um, the standards are set differently. Um, but we're always trying to raise that bar and get to the next level. Um, so, you know, for high school kids, I'd, I'd say there's probably a bigger difference, like especially with our younger kids. You know, when they're coming in, like the time commitment. You know, a lot of kids we get don't understand. Okay, I want to accomplish this, right? I want to be a college basketball player. I want to play in the NBA. Right. Okay. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Right. What do I have to do in order to get there? There's some intangible things that some kids don't have. Some kids will. But at the same time, like, you know, we want to build on um, their skill set and then make them understand that, okay, that's that's great. You want to accomplish that. This is what it looks like. This is what it takes. Um, and so, you know, just trying to push each kid individually to what their goals are. And, you know, have, hearing a coach you know, for our listeners that don't know, uh, you've coached some pretty high major talent in Blake Wesley, who's now an NBA player. Not a lot of coaches, when they have players telling them that they want to play in the NBA, is it a realistic mm -hmm. expectation or have ever been a possibility? Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, you know, having coached Blake Wesley, uh, how differently do you have to coach him or did you have to coach him compared to your other players? Yeah. Um, 
my biggest thing with Blake is was uh, that I was gonna. He had goals in mind. Um, his goal was um, to be ACC uh, Freshman Player of the Year, um, and I think a lot of people looked at him like he was he was crazy. Uh, he ended up getting second, I think, behind. I think it was a kid from North Carolina, um, but for us, like. I put that reminder in his head as much as I could. Like when his – first of all, Blake was a fierce competitor. Like I tell our guys all the time, like, you know, a lot of kids, you, you know, a lot of coaches fear the, the idea of your best player not being your hardest worker. Not my case. Like Blake was my hardest worker every day. Um, he had moments, right, where um, maybe he, you know, was frustrated or things like that. But in terms of the competitiveness – and, and getting on that floor and playing the, playing the game, both offensively and defensively, didn't have to worry about that. So that was huge. Um, you know, for us, it was like, okay, was that rep ACC material, right? Was that, was that rep freshman ACC player of the year? And so that, that reminder to him was, you know, maybe different from another kid. Other kids didn't have that in their future, right? So we just tried to make sure that he knew um, – that whatever he was doing right now at the high school level was a year from now going to be a whole different story, right? And so we just tried to make sure that he knew that each rep mattered, that that the intensity that he worked at had to be different than other people on the floor. And athletically and physically, he could just do things that other people couldn't. Um, so we just made sure that that was him every day. Now, he took it and ran with it, right? He was – he was there, you know, workouts in the morning, practice, another workout at night, you know. So he's he's three days, three days, um, or three times a day for six days out of the week, um, which is why he is where he is. So, how early did people know that he was uh, going to be the Blake that we know him to, as today? Until he hit the shot against Kentucky, <laughs> no one knew. You know, like he was good, he was good. Like, but he also had. It was the year after COVID, right? So he wasn't even a top 100 player in the country, right? Um, he was voted third in our conference for best player, right? Third in votes. So, um, he, he, you know, I think he maybe cracked the top 100 at some point. He wasn't in the Indiana All-Star, but he was never really in contention for um, any uh, Mr. Basketball. Uh, just, you know, the notoriety, the – the, the lack of people in the stands that year just didn't get to see what it was that he was accomplishing. And so that was tough. Um, but he, he had that underdog mentality throughout that entire time. And so um, not only did – and I think what I try to tell kids, and I think that what happened that year was the most notoriety he had was when we had um, team success. Right when we had team success, when we won sectionals, when we moved into regional, it was then it was oh Blake Wesley, kid's pretty good. Hell yeah, he's good. Like the kid, the kid plays his ass off. Like he's he's competing on both ends of the floor. Um, he was an animal defensively. He made some plays in that sectional championship and and our regional games that were just unreal. And so that's really when people started to catch an eye. And then it was like, okay, he's going to Notre Dame. But he's not one and done, right? He's not good enough to be one and done. Bang. Hits the big shot against Kentucky. You know, he's, he's coming off the bench for the first quarter of the year. Um, producing, right? Gets the start. Bangs in that big shot. It's over, right? He's a first-round draft pick. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. 
So obviously you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, getting into the postseason, some of the competitive nature of um, your league you're in, your conference you're in. Can you kind of speak to what you expect of your team this year in this competitive, um, you know, conference you're in? Yeah, it, um, you know, there's going to be some really good teams at the top of our league. And, um, I mean, to be honest with you, we expect to win it. Um, we feel like we're a group that's kind of been together for a couple years now. We're the older group now. Um, and so uh, we've been able to bring a good core back as well as some, some transfers um, that, have, that have come and joined us. And so we feel really good about our group. Uh, we feel like we have a head start on some other teams just in terms of we've been together. Uh, we had a really good summer. Um, you know, the teams like Marion and, and Penn and St. Joe, those guys are always going to be very competitive, very good. Um, but uh, we, we expect to be right there with them and, and honestly to, to win the conference this year. That's awesome. Love to hear that. Um, you know, you're big on defensive mindset, you know, and toughness uh, in, in your coaching style. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, uh, you know, defense, you know, travels, wins ball games. You guys have all heard those those slogans about about what defense is. I really think it, it sets the, the intensity. If you're if you're a team that is constantly the ball is going through the basket against you, it's really hard to overcome that. You know what I mean from a mentality standpoint. So uh, we want to we want to dictate offense. We want to um, we want to get in people. We want to be physical with people. Uh, we don't want. Uh, teams to just run their stuff, right? We want to take them out of what they do. We want. We feel like when the game becomes um, just just playing basketball, that we're we're really good at it, right? And so um, there's things that teams do, you know, especially at the high school level, that you know get get the ball in positions that they want to get it in or get the ball reversed, you know, 17 times before they shoot it. And so uh, we want to get up and down and play. Um, and so there's you know, our defensive mentality and what we bring. Uh, there's different ways we go about it, you know, whether it be full court or the half court. But we want we want the tempo to to, to pick up, and so uh, that intensity, that the the talk that comes along with it, and the physicality, are I think three things that we really preach on to, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, as a former coach myself, I, I you know ran into a lot of times where parents would think, you know, maybe I had favorites, or maybe I'm sure you've probably dealt with people thinking that you have favorites as a coach. Um, what would you say to a, a, a young player, maybe in ninth grade or 11th grade, who feels like they're on the outside looking in um, and they want to up their playing time? Keeping in mind our audience, we got a lot of kids, you know, who are, who are fighting for that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have, you know, for a kid who's trying to get that fifth spot and maybe speak to the, the, the favorites <laughs> narrative? Of yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, I do have favorites. I really do. You know, those my favorites are the ones that work the hardest, right? That care the most, that spend the most time with it. Um, the ones that are trying to do what I ask, right? The ones that are putting in the extra effort. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're all mine, right? But I, I really think kids are, are honored for their work. Now, there's there's some um, ability that comes into play, you know what I mean? There's, if there's, there's some kids that are more gifted than others, right? And that's that's basketball. But um, if you if you I, I really feel like if you're if you're a kid that, that puts the time into it right stays positive, is trying to do what the coach asks. That there's there's a place for you, you know, and uh, it may not be everything that you want, right? It may not be um, the leading scorer. It may not be 
the starter. It may not, you know, whatever it is. But um, this game, um, it doesn't lie. You know, what you put into it is what you get out of it. And so um, when you see kids that are that are kind of that position of like, I want more, right? You always ask them like, what are you doing to get more, right? Um, so I have, you know, Mansell Hill is, is one of my favorite kids on my team right now. Why? Because he shows up every morning at 7 a.m. and shoots the basketball. He comes to practice every day, ready to work his tail off. He doesn't give me any lip, right? He just goes out there and does his thing. And so um, I think, you know, 90, 99% of your coaches are going are gonna to feel the same way. They may not say that they have favorites, but I'm pretty blunt with it. Yeah, I do, right? I but I do love all of them, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I love that. So we're excited to get to uh, some Riley games this year and check you guys out in, in person. Um, and hopefully you guys can get some pretty solid memories this year. I have a sense the confidence in, in you for this season. Can you kind of speak to some of your favorite memories that you've had so far in coaching? Whether, you know, I'm not writing off the college stuff. I mean, I'm kind of talking about Riley right now, but I mean, it could be either. Do you have a, a specific memory that sticks out to you as a coach? You know, Riley, yeah, I'm in the sectional championship or my first year with Blake. It was, you know, they had won, I think, 11 games the year before. We were able to, you know, get 19 wins that year. We knocked off Adams, who was, I don't know, number three or four in the state or something like that in a sectional championship. It was kind of a – you know, we just gotten beat, beaten by them late in the regular season, um, so that was a really special moment. You know, stay in contact with those. There was there was eight seniors in that group um, in my first year, so it was just you know kind of came in and did our thing and accomplished what we needed to accomplish. And obviously Blake went on to to have his individual accolades, but there's lots of guys on that roster that are doing great great things. So um, that would be you know obviously the biggest moment. There's been huge games and. Um, you know, a lot of good rock locker moments since then, but that one, that one definitely stands out. Now I gotta ask ask you this because I was thinking this. I was at the Notre Dame Niagara game and watching Coach Shrewsbury in his first game. You know, seeing the nerves, the energy coming up, hyping up the crowd after a big play, and it kind of reminded me like, man, I feel like I got more nervous sometimes for games as a coach than I did as a player. What was it for you? Was it was it more when you were playing? Did it kind of games get to you a little um, more? You know, I think until you get in that coaching position, you realize how much you feel like that falls on you. You know, it just everybody's individual permit, uh, performance you feel responsible for. You know, their preparation and their mindset and how they how they how they play perform during that game. And so. Um, I don't, you know, obviously with that too, you know, comes maturity in your age and those kinds of things. You know, when you're playing, you're you're young and dumb and you're, you know, you're just trying to hoop, right? You know, but as, as you get into this coaching world, um, you're trying to check those boxes through the week, you know, accomplish things and make sure that your team's prepared. And so when they don't perform or they you don't live up to expectations, you feel a, a sense of guilt. You know, I want all my kids to, to reach the dreams that they want to reach, right? And I feel a big responsibility for doing that. At the end of the day, is it, is it always going to happen? No. Um, but I think when I lay my head down at night, I want to be able to say that I, I did everything that I could to try, to try to make that happen. And so I think in the long run, I hope, you know, my kids, the players that play for me see that. I hope the families of, of their, the kids that play for me see that. I hope the community sees that. And, um, you know, it, there is um, 
pressure that goes into to winning and losing. Um, but the pressure that's being put on you is not always what the goal should be, right? Um, not necessarily winning and losing, but how you interact and how you hold these kids and try to, you know, turn them into the, turn them into the young men they should be 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. That's so, so true. So how we end our podcast here is we have a segment called Full Court Press where I just kind of ask you some quick hitting questions um, and we'll see what, what comes off the top of your head. Uh, you ready? Yep. All right. Favorite color? Easy one. Uh, Kentucky Blue. All right. Favorite cereal? Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch. Good choice. Now, this next question, I got to preface. If you get it wrong, I'm kicking you off the podcast. You're never coming back. Is it milk before cereal or cereal before milk? I, I feel a lot of pressure with this question. Yeah. Um, I don't know anybody that would put milk before cereal. So I don't know if that's the right answer, but I'm definitely cereal before milk. And okay, I don't know. Good. I didn't, yeah. honestly didn't know there was any other way. Yeah, I put that question in there just to vet who I'm talking to. Okay. To make sure that they're not a <laughs> There's someone out there that you just proved yeah. that they have no clue exactly. what they're talking about. <laughs> Favorite movie? Ah, uh, man. Uh, growing up, I don't know why, but I loved the movie Braveheart. Um, it just was like this uh, thrilling, just kind of warrior experience for me. I don't know, but I'll stick with that one. It's a great movie. Yeah. Would you rather give up appetizers or desserts for the rest of your life? Jeez. Uh, um... I like the, like, the both of them are fantastic. I, you know, the pregame, the pregame to the meal is really important to me. So I'm going to get rid of the desserts. Wow. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that answer, especially I'm from upstate New York, so buffalo yeah. wings. Yeah. That's a huge part of my, that's, it's kind of, it would be sacrilegious for me to, to get rid so of them. So you do the, the chicken wings as, yeah, as but now here's, that kind of leads into my next question. Okay. So. When you go to a restaurant, I mean, like all like the big chain ones, like you see wings listed as an appetizer, right? Yeah. We had some controversy in the office, you know, major. This is what we work on all day. It's a major disagreement on whether or not a buffalo wing is a appetizer or it's a main entree. Keep in mind, I order it as a main entree. Like when I go out to eat, Yeah. I mean... But also, if I'm getting like pizza and wings mm. for a football game, mm. for a Buffalo Bills game, mm. I'm eating a couple wings and then pizza's the main thing. Okay. You know? But I don't know if that's more so because I'm trying to be considerate to the number of wings, to the <laughs> yeah. number of people at the yeah, party. I'm, I'm but, throwing that all together. So, I, yeah. I, like a big one for me is, you know, I, I love nachos. Nachos is commonly seen on, a, on an appetizer menu. And I'm not sharing my nachos, right? I want that heaping pile of nacho as my main entree. And I'm going to throw the chicken wings in there as well. Like, I just, entree. Uh, My my appetizers are more of like the, uh, um, I don't know, I like to... Uh, experiment with different types of foods and those kinds of things so you know you give me like I'll try any onion blossom you know anything like that or just you know a lot of dipping stuff or you know things like that that would so to be clear to be clear your team entree for buffalo wings I'm a entree buffalo okay so now this is where this is what we got into I'm team entree like I order it as an entree but I think it's an appetizer Okay. Dude, does so that you're ordering two with you? entrees. I, I'm o- only ordering it. I'm only. I want like if I go out to eat, I'm yeah. only getting wings. 
Right. But I'm ordering it off the appetizer menu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the same deal with so my nachos. Yeah, I'm taking that appetizer that lists as nachos, and I, but that's my main course. Like, I'm, so, see, this is, there's some dilemma. There's, some, there's, there's room for argument there. But, I, but I, if I'm doing my nachos, my main course, I may, I may partake in, a, in an onion blossom or some cheese curds yeah. or something like that prior, prior yeah. to the meal. Yeah. So. Best Gatorade color. And one, there's we've we've gone way too far at this point in Gatorade colors. Like if you can't narrow it down to like a, a yellow, white, blue, like just basic, then you're you're trying too hard. Um, I do like I guess the biggest venture would be like the purple. I am a big fan of that of the of the purple. But you give me one of those lemon lime Gatorades on the right day, tearing like, it up. Can't, can't go wrong. <laughs> can't go wrong. Yeah. There um, is there are so many Gatorade options. So many Gatorade. So best player, and you named a few um, earlier in the show. Best player you've ever played against, and I'll add a, a little asterisk or with. Yeah, um, I mean Greg Oden was. Um, I wish people could. I wish he would have stayed healthy. I wish he could have uh, showcased what he was, but he was. Um, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Indiana high school basketball players ever. Uh, he was super dominant. Um, not a whole lot you could do with him. Played a lot of basketball games in my life, but the state championship game against him and Mike Conley, they, I think they went one and three in the NBA draft um, a couple years later, um, was one of the games where I felt like I didn't have as much much control of winning and losing <laughs> as what I had in previous games. So, so I can take a guess as to how that state championship game go. <laughs> they did beat us. It wasn't terrible. I think we lost by eleven, um, but it was, um, yeah, it was just uh, kind of a a game where like if they if they wanted to get it inside and and, and make a basket, um, it was fairly easy for them to do so. So loudest crowd you've ever played in front of. Um, man, so I played Muncie Central, which is in the North Central Conference, which has some of the most fantastic gyms in not only the state of Indiana, but the country. You know, you're talking about um, the Muncie Central Fieldhouse, you know, Newcastle that was in their uh, conference at the time, Lafayette, Jeff, Anderson, Marion, um, just to name a few of them. Um, we had a game my junior year at the Wigwam, which was which was Anderson, um, that was just packed. And I forget what their capacity is. It's around 9,000, I think. But floor to ceiling, just packed. We were down, uh, I don't know, like 15 or something. And one of my teammates just went bonkers, came back and won. And so that was, that was um, a really good crowd. Um, obviously, our run to the state finals my senior year, we ran into some pretty cool stuff. I'll never forget sitting – on the bench during the state championship game they had the lights out and our fans had handed out like little blinking lights and I just remember looking up and it just looking like just lights everywhere so that was that was cool obviously it's a bigger gym so you don't get the crowd and, you know noise as much but played in some really cool places and was able to do some really really cool things so that's awesome well Alex thank you for joining us on this podcast uh, like I said earlier, we're super pumped to get some Riley basketball games and uh, watch you in action this year. Yeah, I appreciate it, Reed. Thanks for having me out and appreciate everything you guys do. And yeah, we'd love your support throughout the season. Let me know. So, awesome. Right. Thanks, man. Yep. Yeah.